years ago when I um, went up to Mount Morgan. Yeah, had some interesting experiences up there. This one particular Sunday, um, a sparrow flew in the front door of the church. Um, some of you know the building. It's got a really high ceiling, like a tra traditional church shape, you know, like the old really high roofs. And the little low door at the front shaped like a, an arched church door. So for some reason the sparrow flies in and then goes up and then wants to get out but there's nothing up there that can let it out. So it's flying around and around for like three hours. So we're in the middle of church when this happens, in the middle of the worship, sparrow flies in. Well, you know, we all stop the worship and we're trying to shoo the bird out and after a while it's, oh, forget that, let's just go back to having church. So we finish our worship, have our sermon, morning tea, bird's still flying around. So after church, it's a joint effort. The entire congregation, it's our job to get the bird out the door. <laughs> and um, I actually don't remember how we managed to succeed or whether we just left the windows open and left and came back later and it was gone, something like that. I can't remember how we succeeded. Anyway, it got me thinking, because I remembered there was a verse in the Bible, something to do with sparrows in church or sparrows in the temple. This is, you know, back then I'm just a young guy and I don't know my Bible all that well. And I'm, anyway, I went and, and I went and found it, and it's Psalm chapter 84, <laughs> which we're going to read today. And we're going to start by reading just the first four verses. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. This psalm was written by a son of Korah. There was a whole bunch of these guys who were called the sons of Korah. They were musicians, they wrote songs. There's a heap of psalms by the sons of Korah. So one of these blokes uh, goes into the temple one day, and he looks up and, ah, oh, a bird's made a nest <laughs> and he he is jealous for the bird or jealous of the bird shall we say he's jealous of the bird because the bird gets to live in the temple permanently he's got to go home but the birds there all the time and um, so and then he says blessed are those who dwell in your house well in in his moment the thing that was dwelling in the Lord's house was a little bird and um, so this whole psalm is about the joy of being in the Lord's presence all the time, as illustrated by that sparrow, you know, thousands of years ago in Jerusalem. And um, I want to ask you the question, have you ever experienced being in the Lord's presence? You know, like truly experienced it. Experienced with your feelings. Now, we're, we're technically, well, we are in the Lord's presence right now. And we're there, in many, many times we come into the Lord's presence and we're there by faith because we don't feel anything. In um, the book of Hebrews, it says that we can come boldly before his throne, um, you know, with, with confidence that we're going to hear, that he's going to hear our prayers. So there's plenty of times we're in prayer meetings and we take a step of faith and we're in the presence of the Lord, we're before him and we have a prayer and we know he's heard our prayer. But you don't necessarily feel anything. 
But the question I was asking right now was, have you ever experienced, you know, not just the faith that we often live by, but have you ever experienced that feeling of being in the Lord's presence? Most Christians have, at some point in their life, felt what it's like in your human experience and your human feelings, some kind of wonderful sense of being with the Lord. And he's so gracious that he gives us these experiences um, some of the time. It's also important for us to, to walk by faith as well. But I remember this one day that we were at the beach. And um, I think we were just taking the kids to the beach. I don't think anything you know, exceptional was going on. We are just having a day at the beach. And um, I was looking at the ocean. It was so wonderful. I was looking at the sky. It was so wonderful and blue. And started feeling all these good feelings about the Lord. And I remembered that song, The Love of God, who, who knows that song? It's an old hymn. It's like a hundred years old, this hymn, but the words are like a thousand years old. So the hymn was based on words that were written about a thousand years ago. The verse that really stood out to me was, Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. What a great, what a great song. And I remember being at the beach this day and looking at how big the sky was and how blue it was and then looking at the ocean and I remembered this song and I started singing it and I was so overcome with the love of God, it felt like for half an hour I just forgot that I was at the beach. And I was just in the love of God and it was just an unforgettable, wonderful experience of feeling so loved. Well, I was in the presence of God, right? <laughs> I was in the house of the Lord. So the house of the Lord, you know, when Korah wrote his psalm, was a temple made of stones. But the house of the Lord, well, I mean, it's the people of God, isn't it? So that's another, but, what you know, I guess what I was thinking of was I'm in the presence of God, I'm with him, and I felt it that day at the beach and I've, there's nothing quite as wonderful as knowing that you're loved by God, right? And we all want to feel that feeling, especially I remember when I was young, I used to pray, I used to say to people, I know that God loves me but I, I, I don't feel like I'm loved by God. I used to say that when I was a young Christian and I started praying, someone preached once, to pray that you would experience the love of God. It's in one of Paul's um, writings that we would come to know the love of God. Well, start praying that prayer. I started praying that as a, as a young Christian and I've prayed it regularly and I have come to the place where I just know I'm loved by God. It's not, it's not a faith-based thing alone. It's an experience-based thing. I've had multiple experiences of the love of God and I just am completely content. I can feel unloved by a person, but I don't feel unloved by the Lord. And that's a wonderfully strengthening thing to have. Well, wouldn't you want to have that experience too? Well, there's a way of bringing yourself into the Lord's presence. Now, I'm not saying that what I'm about to tell you is going to guarantee you have the experience I had. But what I'm trying to say to you is there's a way of coming into the presence of the Lord. Sometimes you're going to come in and you're going to be there whether you feel anything or not. Other times you're going to be in there and you're going to feel all sorts of wonderful things. But there's a way of coming into the presence of the Lord and being there 
all the time, just like that sparrow in the temple 3,000 years ago. Now, how do you think we would bring ourselves into the presence of the Lord? Turns out it's really simple. It's through praise. <laughs> praise and thanksgiving, which we've been doing this morning. And that's one of the reasons why all around the world, churches start their services with praise and worship. Because it's a way of just coming into the Lord's presence. Now, for some people, they don't actually praise. They just sing along and their heart isn't moved and somehow they don't join in and it's not praise for them. But if you participate and you join in with praise, then you are brought into the presence of the Lord. Now, how do we know that that is true? Well, we have another psalm. It's Psalm 100. And we're going to read the psalm in its entirety. And um, this is what it says. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for he, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Now you might say, in verse 4, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. You might say, well, that's not promising you that you'll get into his presence if you have thanksgiving and praise. That's just telling you what to do. Go into his presence with thanksgiving and praise. Well, I would say it's both. I would say that when you adopt an attitude of thanksgiving and praise, you do get brought into his presence. But it's also telling you to do it. It's also telling you to go into his presence and do it with thanksgiving and praise. It's, I think both of those ways of reading it are correct. And there is a song we sing a lot, you know, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. They sing it at Mount Morgan every month. Whenever John Batley goes up there, he plays it. And it's a great song, and it's based right here on this psalm, Psalm 100. Fabulous song. And if you want to enter into the presence of the Lord, start by praising him. Start by giving him thanks, and you'll enter into his presence. And uh, so, you know, you might have a, an experience. You might go to church like today. You might praise the Lord, full of thanksgiving, enjoying the Sunday, you might walk out of church after this and you're on a high because it's been a great morning and then something happens. You know, a bird has pooped on your car windscreen. And what do you say? Ah, oh, now I've got to wash the car. Well, poof, you're not in the Lord's presence anymore, I can tell you that. You're in some other place. So, um, gone, gone, you know. <laughs> well, this is what happens with us all the time. We don't stay in the Lord's presence because we let our attitudes and our words just take us all sorts of other places. There are other places. You know, there are places you go that you don't go with your feet. There are places you go that you go with your mouth. And there are places you go where you go with your attitudes. All sorts of places. Well, one of the places you can go with your attitudes and your mouth is into the Lord's presence. <laughs> And I think you should be there a lot, like that sparrow. And so we're talking about praise this month. And I'm saying to you, if you live a life of praise and you live a life of thanksgiving, you're going to be close, walking with the Lord, 
a whole lot more. Now, there's actually a great example of this in the Bible. You don't, when you read the story of this guy in the Bible, you don't get any verse that says that he praised the Lord. But I realized when I was preparing this message that he must have lived a life full of thanksgiving and full of praise despite his difficult circumstances because his life was a life full of the presence of the Lord. And this is none other than Joseph, who was sold into slavery. Let's think about Joseph for a minute. None of us would like to be sold into slavery. And certain types of ancient slavery were undesirable, to say the least. You know, has anyone seen Ben-Hur, galley slaves rowing those ancient ships? A galley slave would have been the lowest. But I can tell you what, a slave in Egypt would have been next up from that point. And there were some positions in life that you just would never want to have, and a slave in ancient Egypt would not be, would, you know, be one of them. And um, Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt. Now, there's nowhere in the Bible that tells us he was praising the Lord or worshipping the Lord or giving thanks. But we can tell from reading his story that he did not have a bad attitude and he was not someone who grumbled and complained. You don't pick that sense up anywhere. He was very level-headed and very much aware that the Lord was with him. Let's read, for example, just one little part of his story. So this is where he's finally arrived in Egypt. He's been sold in the slave markets and he's been sent to the house of Potiphar. Um, if you watch my Bible videos, I'm pretty sure that I would have said in my Genesis 39 video that Potiphar is believed to have been the man responsible for state executions in Egypt. So interesting job for Joseph. The Bible doesn't go into what, what that job would have involved but um, anyway, moving on. Genesis 39. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he became success a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favour in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So Joseph is he's in the presence of the Lord all the time. It's pretty amazing, actually, because Joseph didn't have a Bible to read. And I, I kept pointing this out in my Bible videos over and over and over. The life that Joseph lived is singularly remarkable because he didn't even have the Ten Commandments yet. You think of the life that Joseph lived, you know, approached by the wife of his master wanting him to do immoral things. There's no Ten Commandments. There's no thou shalt not commit adultery yet. There's, you know, the Bible hasn't been written yet. Joseph's a remarkable man. He walks with the Lord. He's, he's clearly got the Lord with him. How does he know to do all the things he does? Well, it's because the Holy Spirit's helping him somehow. And that's why I have concluded that he must have been a thankful person and a person of praise because the Holy Spirit is near to people who are like that. But the minute you quench the Holy Spirit by grumbling and complaining and bad attitudes 
the Holy Spirit's gone. And so we're told in the New Testament to not to quench the Holy Spirit. You know, we're told not to complain and grumble because once you do that, you're no longer in the presence of the Lord. And so I believe, even though the Bible doesn't say it so clearly, that Joseph was a type of person who was full of gratitude, full of thanksgiving. The Lord was with him. He had to have adopted those types of quality attitudes. And I think what really helped Joseph was his dreams. You know, he had those dreams. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can read from Genesis chapter 37 right through to the end of the book of Genesis chapter 50, with the exception of chapter 38, which seems to take a digression. But all those other chapters are all about Joseph. And the story is one of the most remarkable stories in the Bible. And um, he has these dreams that seem to suggest he's going to become some kind of ruler or king, and next thing he's sold into being a slave. So the opposite happens to what he had in his dreams. And I think he so he was convinced that the Lord had given them these dreams and he had faith. Have you ever felt like the Lord was saying something to you and then it seemed like it was never going to happen? Or it seems like the opposite of what God said is, going to, is happening? You know, you've got what you think is a promise from the Lord and then, well, so much for that promise because that's just not what's happening in my life. Well, that's the, that's the Joseph experience. <laughs> or, you know, it's the Abraham experience. God promises him a son and then he goes 20 years and wife can't get pregnant and then now she's 100 years old. You know, like, it's the opposite. God says these things and then the complete opposite seems to happen. Well, what are you going to do? Are you going to grumble and complain and say, oh, well, so much for that word. God must have got it wrong. Or, you know, God doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, no. You're going to believe what the Lord said. And I think Joseph had real, he did, he had real faith. He believed what the Lord told him in those dreams. His trust was in the Lord. And he was, even though the Bible doesn't say it, I guarantee you he was a person who trusted and was thankful and looked forward to what God was going to do. And the Lord brought it about. Well, dwelling in the presence of the Lord is greatly aided by your praise and by your thanksgiving. And both of those things rest on your trusting him. When you don't understand what's going on in life, but you praise the Lord anyway, like Joseph would have done, and like others did, like King David we talked about last week, the praising of the Lord despite your good circumstances is a sign of trust, which is a type of faith right? Yeah, precisely. And when you trust the Lord like that, he's close to you. There's a verse that says somewhere, the Lord is near to those who? Is it? I'm trying to remember the verse. It's just coming to me now vaguely. But the Lord is certainly near to those who place their trust in him, walk with him, humble in heart, fear him. Well, Joseph was someone like that, and you should be too. So the effect, and of course the effect of dwelling in God's presence is that the Lord is with you. And we look at what happened to Joseph. Joseph's life was, was such a life that he wasn't dragged down to the bad attitudes of the other slaves. It would have been grumbling and complaining and not wanting to do their work. And you know, life would have been miserable for them. But Joseph did his work with a cheerful attitude and the boss noticed. I've always said to people, if you do your work with a cheerful attitude, the boss will notice. When it's time for promotion, who's he going to pick? The one with a cheerful attitude. <laughs> because he doesn't want to promote those other people. 
because he doesn't know that he can trust them. So Joseph clearly was promoted because the Lord was with him. No doubt he had a cheerful attitude. He did his work with joy, which is what you will have if you're full of praise and thanksgiving. So Joseph is lifted up in the house of Potiphar to the top spot, the administrator of the house. And it says that Potiphar's house was blessed because he was there. I remember years ago when I was working for Scott Kilpatrick, who was a Christian, well, I wanted Scott to be blessed for two reasons. One, I just wanted him to be blessed, but two, I wanted him to be blessed because I was there. <laughs> so, you know, like Joseph, I saw that example in the Bible. Well, who wouldn't want their boss to be blessed because you were there, right? Well, pray for your boss to be blessed, but also have a cheerful attitude. Be full of praise and be full of thanksgiving towards the Lord. Have the Holy Spirit in your life. Let the Lord be with you and let your presence at wherever you work be a source of blessing to your employer. They will notice, and hopefully, like Potiphar, they will say, it's the Lord is with you. Let's read a bit more in Psalm 84, verses 5 to 7. Blessed are those whose strength is with you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. So, this is describing people who are going on a pilgrimage. This version says, um, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. A different version will say who, they're going on pilgrimage up to Jerusalem, or pilgrimage to Zion. In other words, they're journeying into the heart of God. And it says, as they go through the valley of Baca, which in other versions is translated the valley of weeping or the valley of sadness, they make it a place of springs. So these people who are dwelling in the presence of the Lord all the time, as they're, they're on a journey into the heart of God, and as they go through places like the valley of weeping, which you will go through valleys of weeping, because everyone does, you'll turn that valley into a place of springs. But some of the valleys of weeping you go through, it's not your weeping, it's someone else's weeping. And you're just coming in contact with other people who are just struggling. You will make a, valley, a fountain of springs for those people because you're someone that dwells in the presence of the Lord. In verse 7, they go from strength to strength as each of them appears before God in Zion. You might not always feel like you're going from strength to strength because sometimes our strength is what it is in our weakness because it's really the Lord's strength at work in us, not our own strength. But sometimes as you go along, you feel like you're getting weaker, but you're actually becoming stronger. It's like a back to front, but kind of a wonderful thing all at once. And this is what I have found in my own experience. As I go along, I become more and more aware of how ordinary I am, how weak I am, how plain I am. If I was to pick someone in the Bible to, to identify myself with and a, and a point in their life to identify myself with, I would say it's Moses at about 80 years of age before he did all of his wonderful things in Egypt, just at that point of lowliness in the desert thinking I'm a nobody and God wouldn't want to use me at all. That's how I often feel about myself. I just put myself right there because that's how I feel. And yet, 
you pray a prayer, and God answers it, and you think, who knew? <laughs> I'm as shocked as the next guy that God would answer my prayer. And it's a bit like Moses feeling like a nobody holds his stick up, the river turns to blood. And I think everyone looks at Moses and thinks he's this like genius from the desert. And Moses just goes home and thinks, goodness me, he's as surprised as the next guy. <laughs> and that's, that's what we're talking about here. You go from strength to strength, but it's not you becoming stronger. It's actually you realizing how weak you are. And as you realize your weakness, that's actually humility because you're depending on the Lord and his strength is flowing through you. Well, you see, you get all of that when you're in the presence of the Lord, which I'm saying you, you get there and you stay there through praise and thanksgiving. And I have to say that that's exactly what Joseph did. When Joseph went down to Egypt, would you say that was his valley of weeping? Would you say that? But he sure turned it into a place of springs, right? Joseph did it for sure because he was someone always dwelling in the Lord's presence. But most people are not walking in the Lord's presence, at least not all of the time. Most people are not walking in praise and thanksgiving. Most people are more focused on what's going wrong or their problems in life. So they're not in that place where the Lord is his wondrous self. They're in that place where they've got their own, you know, they're in the place of their own strength. And um, praise doesn't keep you from difficulty. Praise just means when you go through the difficulty, you're not there. The difficulty's still there, but you're not there. You're with the Lord. <laughs> so you've still got the difficulties to handle, but the Lord carries you through it in a wonderful, wonderful way. I remember there was a guy called Brother Lawrence. Who's heard of Brother Lawrence? Now, he's a guy that was in the Lord's presence all the time. And um, he joined one of these monasteries a couple of hundred years ago in the 1600s, I think it was. And he wanted to just be praying and in the Lord's presence all the time. But because he was a new recruit, they gave him kitchen duties. Um, this is a book called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. You should go and get it and read it. And it's, it's you know, this guy, Brother Lawrence, learned to be in the Lord's presence all the time in the kitchen doing the dishes. And if you're a mum and you feel like you're just stuck with a tea towel in hand, well, that's how Brother Lawrence felt at the beginning of his monastery life. But at the end of his monastery life, all those blokes that used to go into prayer every day <laughs> didn't know the Lord half as much as Brother Lawrence did with tea towel in hand. So it's really got nothing to do with, you know, your your station in life at any given moment. You know, you could be working for Philip out there in the humidity, slaving away on a whippersnipper, nine hours a day, sweat dripping off your face, you know. Well, you could be doing that and cursing your existence, or you could be praising the Lord and in the presence of the Lord and having the most wonderful time and enjoying whippersnipping to the glory of God and being the best whippersnipper on the face of the earth. You, you could be one or the other. You could be up, you could be teaching students. As a teacher, you could be bitterly complaining about this rowdy lot of 30 
humans that has been allotted to you who are the scum of the earth or you could be praising the Lord that God has given you this wonderful opportunity to transform lives for the glory of God you know it's your it's your perspective it really is and if you're in the presence of the Lord will make a big difference to how you approach it all Do you know brother Lawrence when he was really old he got sick and they thought he was going to die and they sent the doctor around and they gave him some medicine and dang he got cured and this is what brother Lawrence said after that he said doctor your remedies have worked too well for me you have only delayed my happiness so <laughs> he got so used to being in the Lord's presence he wanted to be in the you know the fullness of it that's his attitude was rats I've been cured so well you know when you experience the Lord's presence in those fuller type of ways the line between you know death and get the, and being with the Lord is blurred and the fear of it is just gone because you know the Lord well I'm encouraging you to be people of praise you're gonna you're gonna walk in um, the presence of the Lord more and more and more we um, we've talked this year we've mentioned the Asbury revival in Kentucky which has happened for a few weeks they've now stopped it because everyone was worn out which you know I understand if you have three weeks of non-stop meetings 24 hours a day people are gonna get worn out do you know what who says you have to leave the presence of the Lord just because the meeting had stopped <laughs> and you know what when you're living a regular life full of the Lord's love and presence you don't get worn out right in fact it's even energizing well the type of revival we want isn't one that's based on us having a 24-hour non-stop meeting am I right we want to have a revival that's based on just being in the presence of the Lord and when we all come together that's great and when we all go home that's great and when we go to work that's great too And when we go to bed at night we go to bed full of the presence of the Lord we want that type of revival let's pray for that right well we'll start by praise and thanks giving do you remember the sparrow analogy at the start of this message how that we couldn't get the bird out of the church it was really hard eventually left well we want to be people that are hard to get out of God's presence because well you know once you get used to it you don't want to leave right we want to get to that type of a place so with that thought in mind we're going to finish the psalm off psalm chapter 84 and read the last three verses 10 11 and 12 which says this a day in your courts O Lord is better than a thousand anywhere I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked now a doorkeeper they had King David had drawn up these rosters you can go watch my Chronicles videos and I'll tell you all about the rosters but there were these people who were the doorkeepers and they were on roster and their job was to stand at the door they didn't even go in they were just at the entrance he's saying he'd rather be in the entrance of it than anywhere else well you know it's kind of better to be on the edge of God's presence than anywhere else but even more to be in and it says here he'd rather be in the Lord's presence for one day than a thousand anywhere else and a thousand as you know doesn't mean a thousand it means a big number that means everything verse 11 for the Lord God is a sun and a shield the Lord bestows favor and honor no good thing or nothing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly O Lord of hosts blessed is the one who trusts in you 
I tell you what, you can't trust in the Lord without being full of praise and thanksgiving. So, here are my thoughts in conclusion. I'm going to invite the band to come and we're going to sing a song of praise in closing, but we're going to pray a prayer before we sing that song of praise. And that's going to be a prayer of repentance because you've all got bad attitudes that you need to let go of, right? You do. They sneak up on you. They get a hold of you. They jump on you like COVID. You don't know where they've come from, but they're there. And you've got to just get rid of them. <laughs> Nasty virus, grumbling and complaining. So easy to pick up and so hard to remove. But thank God we can remove it by, put, you know what Psalm 61 says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So we can have a prayer of repentance in just a moment. Where we're going to pray unitedly. We're all going to repent of our grumbling and complaining. And then we're going to finish with a song of praise. But I want to summarise what I've said um, in the last two weeks here in about seven or eight points. Number one, praise is not just a Sunday thing. It's something you do all the time. Praise is an all of the time thing. Praise puts your eyes in Jesus and gets your eyes off yourself. Thanksgiving puts you in the presence of the Lord and praise will keep you there. Praise lifts you out of the slough of despond. Praise means God is with you no matter what you're going through. Praise turns the valley of weeping into a place of springs and in, by praising you bring God into every situation you go into. Well, isn't that all wonderful? So Christians, therefore, ought to be people who are full of thanksgiving and full of praise all the time. Your job in these weeks ahead is to start the habit of giving thanks. Every day, think of five things to give thanks for. And try not to make them the same five things every day. Thank God for the meal that your wife made you. Thank God for the fresh air that you breathe. As you're driving to work, thank God for the flowers on the side of the road, which are just so wonderful and pretty, and God put them there, and you didn't have to do anything to put them there. Thank God for garbage collection services that come around every week and take your rubbish away. What an amazing blessing that is. I mean, the more you think, isn't this world so wonderful? You can fall over and break a leg, they'll come and pick you up and take you to hospital with a phone call. That's an amazing thing. You can thank God even, and thank God that you don't need the ambulance today. Thank God for that too. The more you start thinking, man, we are so blessed. As Barry Cunnington used to always say, too blessed to be depressed. Has anyone ever heard that saying? Barry Cunnington used to say it all the time, and it is true. First of all, we need to say sorry to the Lord for allowing stinking attitudes into our hearts. So if you'll all stand, we're going to pray together a prayer, a united prayer, and we're just going to tell the Lord we're sorry for our bad attitudes, and we're going to ask the Lord to help us, give us the grace to walk in thanksgiving. Lord, we, we're so grateful this morning that you are forgiving God. And Lord, um, if we treated people the way we treated you, we wouldn't have any friends. <laughs> but we thank you, Lord, that you're, you are close to us despite the fact that we have carried so many bad attitudes in our hearts over the years. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for grumbling and complaining. Forgive us, Lord, for focusing on ourselves so much we forget all you've done for us. Lord, forgive us, Lord, that we've allowed bad attitudes to rest on our heart and we haven't removed them. We haven't even noticed them to remove them. Lord, we ask your forgiveness for each and every person here today. And Lord, I pray that the spirit of grace, the spirit of praise, the spirit of thanksgiving be given to the entire church today, the entire body of Christ, to every person here in this building, to every person online listening. 
Lord, that the grace for these things be given. Lift us up, I pray, that we would be a people of praise. Thank you, Lord, you hear my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.